we see Danny, you know, start working at the hospice, uh, and he sees the cat, you know, for the first time going down the hallway into one of the rooms. And, uh, you know, he's only orderly there at the time. So he follows it in there and he's trying to remove it. And then, you know, the, the, the old guy tells him, he's like, well, that cat knows I'm dying. That's it. It always comes to the people that are dying. And, and it's, and this, and that old man is the one that gives him the name Dr. Sleep. And it's funny because when he looks at him, he calls him doc and, you know, it's, it's eerie because it's like, you know, that's what he was, Danny was always called as a kid. And, you know, it's almost like it was like a psychic thing, you know, like, even though they based it upon the fact that he was watching Bugs Bunny and all that, like, I mean, and, and I don't remember who called him that first, if it was Jack or Wendy, but I mean, it's, it's hinted at that both of them had to shine anyway. So it don't really matter. Jack had it stronger than any of them. Yeah. Uh, well, other than Danny, I guess, but I mean, I, I wonder if they called him doc because they sensed that he would, he was going into something like this eventually later on in life. I wonder if it was a little bit of the shine working when they eventually, when they originally called him Doc to begin with. It's possible. It really is. But yeah, because even um, Wendy says she doesn't understand or know where the name came from. It's just, I don't know. I, I like how it plays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat twist. And, you know, and I, I just love this scene because like he's, like the old man's like scared to death, you know, or scared of death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and, and Danny just, you know, gets us out of his mind. And he's like, it's okay. You know, he uses a shine to talk to him mentally. He's like, you're fine. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's, it's just sleep, you know, just you're, you're sleep, you're going to rest for good. And then you, you know, just the look on the old man's face as he calms down and he, he's at peace with it. Yeah. And, um, which and, uh, and, that cat was the cutest fucking little death ever. <laughs> oh my God. A fluffy little marshmallowy death. Who could even like be terrified of that? That's true. And I mean, that kind of plays into something too. I mean, they, you know, there's a lot of folklore that says animals can sense when people are dying. Now it depends on, you know, if you're a dog person, cat person, I mean, you know, the cats have figured into a lot of Egyptian lore about death. Um, you know, in America, it's, it's more like, you know, dogs can kind of sense with their owners or, you know, like having troubles. But I think that's, you know, kind of interesting that King, you know, went that route with a story that he used the animal to, their own version of the shine or something, you know, the animal's intuition, but like they can sense when people are, you know, on the verge. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Um, I liked how they used the animal. Um, the cat had its own little version of the shining. It was called the meowing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there is a lot of lore. I, I didn't even, I mean, I, it's not that I didn't think about it. I, I've heard the lore, but I didn't think about how that's a good play on. Holy crap. How deep we could go into that. You know, with this cat going and fucking helping all these people cross, literally, well, it would be the Rainbow Bridge for the cat, you know, but <laughs> crossing over to the other side. Yeah, and it, and it just plays in all that old folklore. I mean, like even, I mean, like especially with it being a cat, I mean, even going back to Egyptian mythology, you know, about them and and being, you know, able to uh, see to the other side and, and all that stuff that the Egyptians gave them, you know, as far as like part of their mythology. Um and and it's interesting to scene too because Danny sees like the the dying breath like you know oh, escape yeah. the body. steam, the, but it's it's the steam. I mean, like he's he's seeing the life force like you know, and it's like I mean, it's kind of a weird parallel that he that our hero quote unquote can see you know the, the steam escaping from somebody and he, but it's in a good natured uh, peaceful way yes. as opposed to the you know the true nod who are. 
deliberately seeking it uh, and from the opposite people too not people like they're, they're going for children you know he, yeah. he's sitting there with the elderly people who are already like suffering from cancer and like it's just I mean the parallel you know like play on the the two sides is kind of interesting to see well kids obviously have you know the bulk of the energy and not just any energy the good kind so which is kind of obviously creepy how it plays out and everything but i mean they're the ones that at the end of the day like when you lose when we become adults we start putting logic into everything and kids don't they don't have that ability so it's like they really believe in the shit that you know they think yeah, is real you, you lose that magic and that faith mm-hmm. or whatever you have as a kid and stephen king he has several characters that are linked to the shine in roundabout ways there's people who say that the the girl in firestarter uh, had the sh- had a version of the shine, although she used it obviously to you know start fires. But like the government had her like locked up, was trying to use her as a weapon. Um, there was another Dark Tower reference is that the the tower was being brought down toward the end of the books. They were using these people called breakers to like break the the energy that was you know keeping the tower alive, and the people who were the breakers were all psychics that had strong abilities. So it's hinted that like the, the crimson King, which this is all like, I mean, dark tower related stuff that we might get into in a Stephen King, you know, you know, season or something, but like basically the crimson King is like the devil of the dark tower. And like, he was sending out emissaries to different worlds to collect people with the shine to you, to do his bidding. they literally worked themselves to death, like using their psychic abilities to break the, the beams that led to the tower. And it's, and you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, whenever, you know, Dick mentions or well, and even, uh, Danny, whenever later on, whenever he's a force ghost in this movie, which is funny given that he's, you know, also Obi-Wan. <laughs> but um, whenever he mentions the Abra, that there's other things out there besides the true knot, it's kind of a hint that the Crimson King is also looking for people with her abilities. Yeah. But he told her um, not to, he told her not to fucking turn off her beacon, not, which is weird. Yeah. He, he had that classic line, shine on, which, you know, plays back to the original you know, um, I don't know, inspiration for the, the dark, I mean, for the shining, which is, you know, that, that, that Beatles song, you know, the, the shine on oh, yeah. or John Lennon in particular. Um, but yeah, he, he told her not to hide it. And it's, and I think maybe the reason for that was, and I, I think the, that I can't remember the, in the novel exactly if around which time period this was, but I think that might've been when Roland, the, the main character of the Dark Tower was getting ready to start his end journey against the Crimson King. And I think maybe Dan knew that the Crimson King was, was finally getting, you know, like his, you know, was going to get his comeuppance. And that, that's the reason he told Auburn not to like hide her abilities because like he knew that there was another hero out there that was going to make it safe for all yeah. of them okay. in that way. Um. There's there's a lot. I, the Dark Tower is is awesome and how it ties together most of his books. I mean, but and I can't wait till we discuss that a little bit more. But like, I, I just wish that they did a better job in the movies of linking them all together. If they went and they remade Stephen King's stuff, but they remade it with the emphasis of linking together his books like they were. I mean, because he did the mini universe stuff way before Marvel ever did, you know, like the multi, you know, like connecting all of his like stuff together. If they did that, I mean that they could really make it really interesting and really well. I mean, you know, but 
we'll have to wait maybe 30 years before that ever happens, I think. Um, but at the end of Act 1, basically Dan goes home from, you know, helping the first person that, you know, with his shine to move on, and he happens to see just a cute little hello written on the chalkboard, and that was Abra, oh you know, for the first time, you know, trying to communicate with him. And, of course, he wrote something back. Um, but uh, starting in Act 2, we find out that uh, we skip ahead eight years. Uh, that's how long Dan's been sober. Like, Aubrey's not communicated with him since then. Like, you know, she's done her own thing, and, like, he's he's moved on with his life. He's uh, uh, We have this great scene where, you know, we're at the AA meeting where he's talking about how drinking and anger used to be the way that he remembered his father but that AA gave him another way to feel closer to his dad because of the time right before they went to the Overlook. That was the first time that, that Jack tried to get clean uh, to help his family out. And, yeah. you know, that's, and that's, and it was a good little scene of Dan trying to, you know, like move on with his life, but also like, I mean, the one, the, the alcohol he felt like connected him to his, the dad that he lost but now he had something else to share with him that was actually not destructive like the alcohol was. Um, and we've seen that his shine has grown again because the next patient that we see that he helps move on, he can actually experience their last moments. Like whenever oh, they talk yeah. about like when they talk about how they can smell, you know, like certain things, so, you know, like from their childhood, like he, he describes it to them because he can sense it as, as well as they can. Um, but like I said, he's went years without hearing from Aubrey at this point. Um, Rose and Crow Daddy uh, are seen talking about how there's less steam in the world, and that's what we discussed earlier. You know, they, they link it to all kinds of things, computers, TVs, uh, ADHD meds, like all kinds of things are dulling the shine. They happen to find there's one kid out there in Iowa that has a decent amount of it. Um, that's the baseball player. Um they um, and then you have this uh, horrible scene where they actually go to to collect the kid, uh, snake bite Andy. Like we said, uses her power to lure him into the van, even though he doesn't want to be there. Uh, and then Abra unfortunately has to witness the entire death scene oh, of this poor yeah. kid. Yeah, tortured. Dreaming about it. Uh, he's tortured. Um, you know, because they, they they describe in the book, they don't necessarily show it in the movie, but like fear makes the steam stronger. So that's why they want the kids scared. So they do everything. So they, they want them to be in pain to the, the worst pain they could be in before they die because that makes it taste better. Well, they said it awful. purifies it specifically. She said pain purifies. I don't know if she says okay. the steam or the, the life source or whatever. Um, okay. And then even Aubrey uses it against Rose at some point in the, in the movie later on. Um, but <laughs> this was one part of the movie that I was like, this doesn't make sense, which, I mean, I get it. It's a movie about magic, technically. But the kid's dad was there at the game talking about his boy, but this kid's walking home alone. Walking home. Yeah, just with his catcher's mitt, no baseball, no bag, just walking along a long highway with nothing but cornfields next to him. I was like, That's this, true. uh, okay. I was like, let's, we'll, pre we'll pretend we didn't, um, catch the earlier scene with, uh, the guy who played Danny in the original film. <laughs> okay. The one scene he has, apparently he didn't exist because that kid just did not know his dad was there and walked away. Yeah. It's you're, I mean, I, I, 
totally didn't even think about that, but it, it's a fair point. It's like he, you know, he was just there with his, his dad. Why didn't he just ride home with his dad? Now, yeah. if they had a quick little trans, if they had a quick little transition scene where his dad was like called away suddenly because oh, yeah. he was a doctor or something, that would have explained it, but they didn't have that in the movie. They, it was either cut due to time or they just didn't think about it, you know. <laughs> Um, Jesus Christ. But yes, we we get to the scene where this poor kid is tortured and they're literally sucking life out of him. Sucking the life out of him. You see Barry the Chunk sitting there playing with his uh, glove right before they do that. Kind of uh, they're playing with their food, as it were, you know, right yeah. before it happens. And and just like uh, Billy Freeman has later on, he's like, these people are, or these things are true monsters. He said they, they fucking, you know, put this kid in a shallow grave. I mean, you, they literally, the amount of, of, digging that they did to put this kid under like i mean you wouldn't even do that to a, a pet that you own because i mean you know you you would know that other things would come and try to you yeah. know drag or dig the body up i mean like they gave that kid no respect whatsoever i mean the fact that uh, they didn't the, just leave his body there was you know there's that you know yeah but i feel like the, the the reason they only gave him that you know that little bit of dignity of burying him was because it was the easiest way to keep him you know to keep the police off their trail or whatever because i mean you know they went to this abandoned place and you know if, if a body had just been laying out on the surface That's true. Uh, buzzards or something would have been circling which they probably would have anyways honestly as low yeah. as, as as little as that guy was that kid was buried but foregoing that that bit of logic i mean you know that it was just enough to keep the cops off their trail long enough for them to get the tail out of dodge basically there there are ways of sucking the energy, especially when they're in a group doing it, is really creepy. It's almost like they're having an orgy. It was... It is. It's it's like they're 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 getting off on it, and and it's a kid, which makes it even creepier. Yes. And I mean, and and they're all like, it's um, it's like seeing an asthmatic, you know, like a group of asthmatics sitting there, like you know, puffing out their their inhaler and into the air, and just all like, you yeah, know, like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of what it's what it looks like. It was, yeah, it, the creep factor was up big time. But um, Rose senses that Aubrey's there with them. Like, oh yeah, Aubrey's they got there, a looky loo. Yeah, we got a looky loo here, and that's and then she also goes ahead and says it. Big steam is what she calls her, like meaning that it's like some of the most that, that she's felt in years, you know, from anybody. Um, and of course, right after this, Abra researches the boy and finds out it was Bradley Trevor was the kid's name. Uh, Jacob Tremblay was the one, the actor who played the part. Like like we said earlier, did a great job. I mean, yeah. I I really that broke my heart for that kid. Like I mean, he really was terrified or portrayed that in the scene. Um, so she uses the shine to locate where he was killed and buried. And then, um, and then how she does, and then she focuses or sees the fact that, that Barry the Chunk's playing with the, the glove, which will become a focus point later on. Uh, but what she messes up and does after this, whenever she's like, you know, going through her mind, like trying you know, backtracking is that she actually, uh, and this is a point that we'll discuss here in a second, but she immediately goes into Rose Pat's mind. Like after that, she's like, well, fuck them. I'm going to find out exactly where they're at. And she messes up and goes directly for Rose, uh, while she's shopping at a grocery store. Um, and then it's in a kind of a creepy scene, like Rose, whenever she's like looking at the glass in like one of the cooler sections, like she can actually see through Abra's eyes. Like she's, and then she has that scene where she reaches her hand. like, Oh yeah, that was good. Um, I like how fucking Abra fucking just threw her like a fucking rag. Oh, 
she force pushed her like to oblivion and back and then yeah. blew up the cooler at the same time, which shows how really strong she is in the, in the, well, I was going to say the force. In the force. Might as well say the force. Let's just fucking say the force because that's what the shit was. Okay. <laughs> well, and the fact that Obi-Wan is her mentor, that yes. makes it even better. Oh my God. <laughs> you were the chosen one. Oh my God. Abra's a youngling. <laughs> she is. She is. Um, does that make the true not the Sith? Kind of. It kind of does. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe Stephen King was just like when he wrote this was really channeling Star Wars. I think we I think tapped so. into something. <laughs> we tapped into an energy here, a force, if you will. And it just so happened that when they cast him McGregor, it just like linked everything together at the same time. It just made um, sense. Like no wonder he was so natural in his role. <laughs> um. But one thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that it, in this scene, Abra goes directly to Rose. There's no transition at all. It's like, you know, like yeah. the snap of a finger, she's there. If you notice, Rose has to go through like the, the astral projection and she has to like, it's almost like a GPS thing. She has to start out at the worldview and then she has to narrow it down. Oh, yeah. Slowly. Which I thought so, was hella cool. Oh, it, it looked really good. Like they did great on that, that scenery of showing her like, you know, slowly narrowing her focus down. And as she floated through space, basically, but it kind of hints to, I mean, it's kind of a visible, visible representation that Abra is just that much stronger than Rose the hat because like she didn't need any of that. She, she instantly went where she wanted to go. Oh yeah. I she mean, thought about it and it she was, was the, fucking there. It is the equivalent of 5g versus dial up. I mean, like she's not waiting for her JPEG to load up. She's, she's there and ready to go. <laughs> it's one of those. It's hard to explain because this movie, it, when it comes to my dreams, I related a lot to this movie. Um, astral projecting, I I don't ever claim that I do it, um, but I do go places in my dreams. So call it what you will. I visit places. And my grandma had me scared that you don't go too far. You don't go without a companion, which in my case is my dog who is always by my side. Um in my bed, not so much always in my dreams. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. But um, And I'm not allowed to go to bed without a glass of water. This is, this is a Hispanic, this is going into lore, because if your, your soul can kind of get lost, and if you're thirsty, it'll go looking for water. So you keep the water by your bedside so your spirit can return to where you're at and you never get lost. So those are things that I actually do because I do travel a lot in my dream, and it's just scary to think that what if I, what if in reality that it was a possibility? I don't believe it, but what if that's what was really happening, as it was in this movie, and I get too far and I can't come back, you know? It's kind of cool to think, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm just going to keep a glass of water here in case Grandma Beans was right. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. And that, and I, it's I, lore, you know? I just, and it's funny too, because I saw like, and I don't know, I've not researched the legitimacy of this at all, but like one of those little like TikToks popped up the other day for me that was like talking about how you wanted to drink a, a glass of water before you went to sleep because it, it somehow helped your sleep patterns and all that stuff. So it's funny that like that's built into the, you know, like, you know, that, that you go to, you know, you have it there beside of you, you know, yeah. before you go to bed. There's probably a scientific um, explanation for it. But back in the day when we didn't have science, it was like, oh, well, you can't sleep because your spirit is just restlessly wandering about aimlessly. And uh, you died because you couldn't find the water <laughs> next to your bed. <laughs> I'm still keeping a glass oh, of water by my bed. I'm not fucking with that, okay? <laughs> um. 
<laughs> in the movie, uh, right after that scene, uh, when Aubrey freaks out and like we said, there's, there's the force push, uh, Dan has such a violent reaction to it that he actually has a seizure in his AA meeting. Uh, oh, and yeah. mentions Tony. I thought they were going to think that he, he was back on, you know, off the wagon. Yeah, they well, didn't. I mean, <laughs> that might have been that might have been hinted at or something in the, in the novel, but they didn't go that route at all in the in the, yeah. the movie version. So, uh, but it just kind of symbolized that like she projected so much that like he picked it up and it just like it knocked him out and he was seeing Tony again, uh, which is his is actually him like an older version of his own self, which is weird that he he went back that way. Um. Crow Daddy actually, whenever she's discussing, uh, whenever later, whenever Rose is talking about how how strong this girl is, Crow Daddy actually does bring up the possibility of turning her, but Rose flat out refuses, and I think it's because of jealousy. Like it's not hinted at in the movie, but I think it's it's pure jealousy. Not that she's worried about like feeding the rest of the True Knot. She just doesn't want that bitch to be the leader of the True Knot. Oh, one hundred percent. She no, it was deeply implied in this film because she knew how powerful this girl was. They wanted yeah, that. She wanted she, that energy for herself, just like she had all those bottles of fucking steam <laughs> in her fucking fridge, whatever the hell, her spirit fridge. And it kind of hints at like a backstory for Rose that I don't know. I mean, maybe Stephen King elaborated on this later on. I've not researched it, but like maybe that when Rose was like brought into the true knot, she was as strong as like Danny for her time. Like she, it, this, this is a little side tangent, but she's, supposedly from like, I want to say like 17th or 18th century Scotland or something or Ireland, Ireland, I believe is where it's at. And she's supposed to have a slight lilt to her speech. Now, I don't think the actress in this movie had any slight lilt at all, but like that's Rose is supposed to in the novel. And it's no, kind of a hint she, that it's like. It's funny because the actress is from, I forget where she's, she's from, not from, she's not American. Let's just put it that way. But, um, while you look that up, Go it's, ahead, yeah. yeah, she is, I mean, and she's, and it kind of hints that like, maybe she was like for her time, she was one of the strongest psychics in that area. And maybe that's why, or, you know, the shine and that's, you know, maybe she was as strong as Dan or something whenever she was first, you know, brought into the true knot by grandpa flick. Yeah. She's from Sweden. So I don't think okay. her accent would have helped. <laughs> Whatever's <laughs> left of her accent. Uh, We'll, we'll go with the American accent she had. Reverend, hold on one second, okay? I need to go yell at the husband okay. and the son real quick. All right. Never mind. I guess he took him to baseball. I thought they didn't. I thought I heard them talking. But I was just hearing spirits <laughs> in my house. It's all okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you were just, Ms. Massey was, uh, you know, following you into your home. That's, that's all it was. I'm going to put her in a box. <laughs> yeah. Lock her ass up in a hedge maze somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that scene, we have Abra visiting Dan in person, which is the scene we talked about uh, earlier. Um, it and the funny thing is, when she tells him to, to call, just say, you know, well, if anybody asks, you're you're my uncle. The funny part about that is, it actually ties in the book because she really is his niece. Like oh, he doesn't shit. know that either. Um, the, so the story in the book is, is that uh, Mama Conchetta, which is the grandmother. Um, is actually uh, she had she had a version of the shine a lot of mount yes the cunning. and Jack Torrance had an affair with her while he was married to Wendy oh of course that fucking sleaze bag uh, yeah and so his his their their daughter uh, Aubrey's mom is actually you know Dan's half sister 
um, in, in the book at least. And so Abra is his niece. And like, and that's the reason she's so strong in the shining is because she has Jack Torrance's, that's what I was hinting to earlier. Jack Torrance's like, you know, bloodline. And he, he's kind of like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> in all the, the worst ways. If you want to tie it into that, like, <laughs> we're gonna get in trouble (laughs) yeah probably but i mean it 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 fits so um but yeah he he has like he has the shine like and that the only reason that jack never actually had it manifest to the point like dan did is because he was a drunk and it dulled it dulled it that's the reason he he never was able to actually use it quite the same way but it's also why the hotel was able to to become so strong because it not only had like a semi sober Jack who was getting some of his shine back, but it also had Danny there to, I mean, and the combination was just like a, a nuclear reactor powering up the overlook. Okay. It makes so much sense. Now the shining <laughs> all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, but mm-hmm. he's, but his shining, it's not like a dull, his shiny, if anything, it just, well, darkened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it and he i don't know and it's funny too because like he uh you know he he just he let it i mean the, the hotel like get into his head and like he never and never used any of his abilities but um that mama conchetta actually had like she she knows the opera has the ability she uh, and she's because she had enough of the shine herself that reason that Aubrey's so strong in it. And I'm wondering, it never really says it, but I think that Aubrey's mom might actually have, like, she has to. I mean, it's a certain extent. I think so. Um, um, I forgot where I got that. Um, I got the sense of that. Um, and and I, part of it, too, was uh, Aubrey was able to just kind of explain it to her mom. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's almost like it skipped a generation for Abra. Like it, it skipped to her, like through her mom. Like her mom didn't really have a, a strong version of it. But Wendy had like a small version, and then she and it passed on to Danny. So that kind of like, because I mean, if you watch the Stephen King version, which is more based on the book of you know, like the the miniseries, like uh, Wendy is talking about how Jack has like you know he has these things where he can like sense certain things about people you know hinting at his shine but she says she also has that because like she recognizes like when she knows before she even calls her parents like the, if there's going to be a problem with them like she's got that sense that yeah. like you know my mom's going to have issues if I call like there's family drama like she yeah. knows that stuff and so like that she had the shine too Wendy did just not as strong um, so it's kind of odd that Jack, it's like not diabetes. Only... It's going to skip a generation. <laughs> it's kind of funny that Jack, not, I mean, it's like Jack was attracted to people with the shine so he can make like super babies, like later on or like, super grandchildren later on. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense, you know? I mean, maybe he's, maybe his shine sensed theirs or something. I don't know. Maybe well, that, yeah, that's what I mean, they at. And he didn't have, it, it didn't seem that Jack had any really control over his shine or if he even was aware that he had it. Cause I feel like if he was aware, he would have had better control. Yeah. It was more like he just understood it as like a weird intuition. Yeah. Like most people play it off as, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, logic. I know this going to, you know, my, my logic, you know, that's how I explained it. Yeah. Which is look um, at me logically trying to explain away my dreams. I'm going to lose control. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like I, I think if he didn't know he had it and he definitely had no control, I could absolutely see 
you know, theoretically speaking, the shining saying, ooh, that's someone, you know, you want to be with or do or whatever. I could see that being possible. Yeah, his chlorians were extending out. And, and... <laughs> up! Oh, my God. Where's Yoda? Uh... <laughs> The Yoda was Dick Halloran, okay? <laughs> yeah. We've already established this. Um, let's see. So, um, anyways, uh, Dan gives the speech about the shine to Abra, which mirrors what Dick told him in the overlook kitchen, which I thought was very cool. Like, yeah. he's basically explaining, he's like, well, you know, like, uh, you have this gift, and he explained, and it's exactly like it mirrors that whole scene. Um, and it's funny because later in the movie, you know, uh, Danny becomes, you know, the, the force ghost, if you want to call it that, for <laughs> Aubrey, just like Dick Halloran was for him. What, um, what do they call it when the fucking Jedi are able to project? And not through the projectors either. It's like... Oh, my God. Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy pulled an Aubrey where he put himself in a different location yes! and made people or made Kylo. That's exactly the scene. That's what it was. Oh, my God. I forgot what it's called, though. There's a name. He, he was forced, like, oh, God, I don't know. They called him a force ghost, which is fucking hilarious. Because they do become force ghosts, him and Dick. Yeah, and and Albert probably will be later on to somebody else. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it's funny because Dan uh, has always been Albert's Tony uh, or imaginary friend. So, like, you know, when Dan was a kid... He always spoke to Tony, you know, red rum, yeah. red rum. And, and so, like, she's been speaking to him for years or trying to and uh, and, and knew about him. But, like, you know, but he was always just the imaginary friend that lived in her mind that she thought was yeah, kind of Yeah, at least he up. didn't tell her creepy-ass shit like red rum. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Or that he lives in her throat. <laughs> well, yeah, and it disappeared into his belly. Yeah, fucking, Yeah. <laughs> No, no, we're not going back that route. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Abra basically tells Dan that she wants him to go to Iowa to find Bradley's body so his parents will have a, uh, the closure that they need. And also because she wants that glove because she wants to use the glove and fucking find them and, and, and get rid of the true knot. Which is... Now, Dan pulls the cowardly maneuver here and denies his uh, his uh Oh, his hero's journey, like his uh, his calling, as it were. Yeah. And um, and 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 tells Aubrey to hide or shine, and so that they won't find her. Now, it's it's actually decent advice because yeah. you know, you know they they do, but at the same time, he's he's being a big coward about it, um, and actually endangering her to a certain extent because it can she really dampen her shine enough for them not to find her at this point? I think Rose is already intent after the seeing the force projection that she's going to get this girl one way or the other. I think, okay. Um, so what in lore, what a lot of people believe, and I do believe this because I have weird experience is that when you physically touch an object, so if somebody brings me a rock from their house, I can dream that I've been in their house, even though I've never okay. been there before, and be able to explain what I saw. So, could be coincidence, you know, uh, that I've seen something in a dream. Okay, you can explain a house to a lot of people, you know. You, it might just be coincidental things that I saw and things like that. This is to a friend that happens to believe she's a witch that I've been able to tell her this. She fucking 
finds it amazing. So when Abra wanted that glove, I was like, get her the fucking glove because it works, okay? Like if you really believe that, that you touch an object, that she, her power will enhance, that she will, and I don't believe I have any fucking power, but I was like, she's going to fuck this bitch up if she gets that glove. Well, it plays into a lot of the paranormal like shows too. Like if you watch them, that's got the the mediums or psychics on there. Yeah. If they can get like an item that's infused with the psychic energy of the person who carried it, they can use it basically to get to get a better idea of like well, what happened to them or whatever. And she knew that uh, from what she saw that Barry the Chunk had enough contact with that glove to kind of yeah. imprint it a little bit. So. Oh, one hundred percent. I was like, oh, she's gonna fucking find him. It's gonna be it's gonna be like her beacon. For what's going on, or the thumbprint, like a dog, a bloodhound that needs a scent, you know, to go off of a trail. Yeah, it's, it's like, here's the rag, go find the bloodhound, you know, it's <laughs> like, here's the scent. Oh my God. Um, and it's, and it's kind of dark in this scene because Danny or Dan almost like tells her to, to it, he says exactly, find anything. Well, almost anything to stop that shine. And it's a reference to the fact that him and his dad both used alcohol to dampen their shine. And it's almost like he was begging Abra to like drug herself to keep them from finding her. Figure figure (laughs) out what you can do to, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good, like now that you say that I'm like, Oh fuck, that's probably 100% what he meant. But at the same time I was thinking maybe just don't think about it or don't use it. If you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. (laughs) (laughs) so just just stop using it which i was like i was that's what i was thinking i was like if you keep doing it they're gonna fucking find you you know oh for sure i mean because ever it's like a you know like a light to a moth or something like she every time she shines you know they're they're like okay let's go that direction let's find her like yeah this is it so that's what i thought but now i'm 100 don't believe that (laughs) i'm like oh fuck he wanted her to fucking get some adderall (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, can your parents put you on some Prozac Matterall? Are you too young for that? Yeah, how old um, are you? <laughs> uh, maybe I can get some people that used to be my hookups back in the old days to to give you something. I mean, if you can't find it any other way, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but later that night, there was that great scene that we talked about way earlier about where he goes and he sees the cat go into what he is uh, the first time in years, like he's. But he, he's seen it like going into an empty room and like, what are you going in this room for? And then he sees like this dark, like, you know, spirit, like in the corner Scared of the room. Scared me. I was like, fuck. It is creepy. Like the way they film, like he, he, cause Dick's standing with his back to the, you know, like he, he's facing the, the wall himself and like, you can't see his face or anything. It's a really creepy image. It's, it's like a shadow person. I didn't something. catch that. I thought he was facing, uh, what's his name, but he looked, he had a, almost like a zombie-like stance to him, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, he, he and, and, and he kind of, it might be explained by what he says, because it's been years, and like he said, this world's a dream to me, I don't even, you know, like it, I, I don't even really remember, like, how long has it been, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like he's fading in and out to this reality, but like, he was standing with, you know, facing the wall, it, with his back to the room, and like you know, and it, and it was like he was not even recognizing that Dan was there until Dan started to lock him up. Yeah, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, hey, like, yeah. I like that like, scene so much. <laughs> um, 
and uh and i'll also like in the scene that when dan's like kind of reminiscing with him you know and and, and ewan mcgregor does a great job because it's like he i mean because he's literally had no time with this actor at, up to this point in the movie but like he continues the scene like he was danny the kid and like you know it, you know he saw an old friend for the first time in years like the way he's interacting with the actor that plays dick halloran and he's like relating the story about you know the last ghost that he locked up was horace dewitt you know who was you know the uh, and talks about how he was covered in confetti and, you know, and, and was like, you know, talking about how he's going to have a great old time at the ball or something like that whenever he locked him up. And I, I kind of like that because it's a good link back to the original movie and, and book. Um, there's another link in this scene to the Dark Tower uh, because um, Dick actually says, the you know, cause a will, Doc, it all comes back round. And that's, that's cause a will is a very definite Dark Tower reference. Oh, okay. Um, that's actually... That's actually something that it's uh, it's almost like a mantra that like the gunslingers uh, them as a group use, uh, you know, to kind of remind them that they're connected to everything, and that Roland the Shane, you know, the main character uses all the time whenever talking to everybody he meets. He's, you know, he he tries to remind them that everything you do circles back, almost like karma in a way. You know, that's the cause will. Um, and it also explains that I mean, the Dark Tower itself is like a circular story. Once he gets to the tower he the story repeats itself he goes you know like the tower when he goes to the top of it and 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 travels through all of it it shoots him right back to where he started at whenever he was chasing the dark man through the desert although at the end of the the dark tower series spoiler for anybody who doesn't know like it it sets up that the this time the turning of the wheel he has things you know in to his benefit that he didn't originally have whenever he started the, the last turning. So he's getting closer and closer to his goal of actually defending the dark tower against its destruction. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> Dick um, tells Dan that the true knot have found Abra and uh, this is kind of chilling. He tells him, he's like, they might kill her. They might turn her or worse. They might keep her around for years and use her up. Oh yeah, and that's just uh, that's an awful thing to think about. They would just keep her around, and they they wouldn't actually kill her like they would the kid. They would just kind of feed off of her, like keep her physically, uh, like doped up, and you know, but just like you know, use her up and like you know, just feed off of her whenever they can or whatever. Um, well, yeah, because if they can keep her spite. alive, keep her in pain, yeah, keep her scared, she's gonna be fucking a factory of fucking power unless she can fuck with them, find a way to fuck with them because they don't know what they're dealing with. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. They they don't. But I mean, Rose the Hat is in vengeance mode. So she, oh, was, yeah. I mean, she was considering that. And I think D- uh, Dick Halloran sensed that's what her plans really were was to just, just like this bitch is not, she's not getting out just dead and put in a canister. She's going to be fucking drained for years to yeah. make up for. Um, so. Because um, at this point, it's happened where. Um, is this the point where uh, Abra got Rose into that room? Or are we heading it's there? Right, it's, it's right after that. We got to um, talk about that room. We, we're going to. Okay. Here just a second. The last thing I was going to say about this scene that I really like is that um, Danny has this uh, talk with Dick. He's like, well, why me? And Dick looks at him and is like, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why Why was I the one that was there and had to die, you know, to, yeah. to intervene to save you from your father? It's just it shit happens. And, you know, you're 
you're the the one that and you owe a debt. Like, you know, I saved your life and now you need to pay it back and you need to pay it toward Abra. So it's kind of, you know, sir, that whole cause of will thing, you know, circling back that Danny has to, you know, uh, basically take on Dick's role now since he's not around and actually step up and, and be the mentor and the savior or, well, pseudo savior that, you know, Abra needs. Um, we have a small little scene right before Rose the Hat, you know, does her tracking where Aubrey's caught in a conversation with her mom about their grandma pulling through. And it, it hints that the, or I mean, it, it's basically, it, it kind of shows the mother's accepted that she's gifted and she can't actually see things because she's just like, she comes to her and she's like, how's she doing? And then when she says that, she takes it to mean like, well, you know, so I'm going to, you know, believe you that, that she's, you know, she's doing fine at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then we have the scene where you're talking about, uh, we have that great little scene where, you know, Rose climbs up on or is on the top of her, you know, RV and she's doing her little like meditation stance and she astral projects. And just like we said, she, hers is more like a slow GPS. It's like slowly <laughs> narrowing it down. Slow internet connection. Yeah. It's a uh, kind of, but I mean, the visuals are great. Visuals, like, love, they did a like, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Her floating through, uh, you know, what looks like outer spur, at least through the clouds and, you know, and finally finding and narrowing it down. She goes in there and like the scene in Aubrey, the I love how she shows Aubrey's mind because it's like a series of file cabinets. It's like a good representation of like somebody's mind. She's like, of course, you, you know, I think she has a line about it too. She's like, of course you, uh, you, you know, I forget what she calls them, but like you, you know, it's like almost like you plebes would have your, your mind. So, uh, you know, orchestrated that it would be something as, you know, you know, just a file cabinet system. Whereas her own, whenever Abra actually sets the trap, like Rose's mind is like a huge mansion or whatever, like, you know, like a cathedral type thing where she's like, you know, been able to uh, hide away stuff in different nooks and crannies. Like hers mm -hmm. is not as organized as what Abra's is. Um, but Abra's also a kid. So that might be, you know, part of it too. Like she's learning how to organize her mind and, and that sort of presentation. But that scene where she's like standing there, like flipping through that, thinking that she's fine. Yeah. That is so creepy when Abra appears behind her with like the dead eyes. Like she has no, like yes. there's no pupil in her eyes. Like she's just like out of nowhere, she's standing there. And then all of a sudden the, the file cabinet slams on Rose, Rose the Hat's hand and it's like, you can tell that it's like cutting into it. Yes. And then all of a sudden, Aubra disappears and it's in her mind rifling through and like, yes. you know, and, and, and the only way that Rose can get away from it is to physically rip her hand out of the file cabinet and it's just mangled and bloody. And when she goes tumbling back into her own body, it's like her own body is that way too. So, yeah. so Aubra can hurt her mentally and, and physically, physically. Yep. from a distance. Which is saying quite Insane. a bit. Insane. Yeah. Um, let's see. The power of a, a prepubescent girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, and it, it's, it, and of course, Rose is, you know, certifiably pissed. Of course she is. I mean, first of all, she's a control freak. Secondly, she doesn't let anybody get one over on her. And she just got schooled by a kid. And so that, she's really pissed about that. But before she can do anything about it, it, this is the scene where Grandpa Flick is cycling or dying. Yes. 
what you what do you think about like how they showed like what their death scenes, like how the, the true not die, like the weird way that they fade in and out of reality? That it was it looked good. I mean, some of the <laughs> CGI was a you. I mean, you obviously obviously you know it's not real, but it, some of it you can kind of tell. But in for the most part, it was pretty cool, pretty creepy. I mean, he's got a creepy face in general as it is already. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, in real life, but yeah, the sounds. And the visuals I thought were amazing. I was like, the whole time I was like disgusted and horrified. So I think great job. <laughs> uh, and of course, we already talked about how they have that weird thing where they like all feed off of their own whenever <laughs> they don't let steam go to waste, no matter who it is. Like, even old um, moldy steam. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. The the funny and also in this scene, like Snake Bite Andy is like invisibly in fear, and she looks at like Rose the Hat. She's like, "I thought you said that we were immortal," and she's like, "No, I never promised you immortality." She yeah. says, "I said live long and eat well, and yeah. as long as you eat well, you will live long." This wasn't no siempre vida, live forever. Okay, this isn't death becomes her. <laughs> right. Um, and it's funny because in this scene, Rose acts like Doctor Sleep herself like mirroring what danny does because she's like she's almost trying to pacify grandpa flick with her own abilities like saying it's fine you've lived a long life she talks about how he was a roman soldier at one point showing how old he was yes um she's like you've seen this you've done this you've done that um there's nothing we can do to save you you've done all you can yes i have containers of <laughs> fucking steam in my fridge, but don't think about that. Think about other shit. Well, You're dying. The thing, the <laughs> thing is, the way I took away is that it was already too late. If she'd fed him before this, he would have been fine. But she, she kept. She was too greedy, and she yeah, kept back too much. That whore of Babylon. <laughs> um. And something else somebody pointed out was that she mentioned, like, she talked about his life and, you know, she started with the Roman gladiator stuff. And then she mentioned how they ended up at skyscrapers. And this could be a reference to the novel. <clears throat> There's a scene in the novel where they tie, where Stephen King ties into 9-11 really heavy. Oh, shit. It was actually, it was actually hard to read whenever I was reading the book because it, like, just brought back too many memories. They were on the, they were, uh, like, Abra sees the plane that's getting ready to crash. She's with the people as they're getting ready to crash into the, the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. And the True Knot were there at the Twin Towers feeding upon all the dying people. Oh, my God. That's so insane. Whenever, yeah, so when when Rose mentions that they were there up to the skyscrapers, uh, the skyscrapers could be her talking about how they were basically literally amongst the debris of the Twin Towers feeding off of the, the people who were in the verge of, you know, that it basically were dying from, from what happened, which is horrible. Yeah, the about. fact that I've not heard about that, <laughs> that has to have been missed by mainstream media. <laughs> overlooked or either that or they're just like, ah, you know, Ooh. Uh, well, he also brings nine 11 into the dark tower too, because Roland gets like a piece of the uh, wizard glass, which is like these ancient cursed, like relics or whatever that looked like, uh, like kind of the, uh, uh, Wicked Witch of the West is like, you know, like globe that she looks into to kind of okay. track Dorothy and those. <clears throat> and the one that he gets is like supposedly one of the most cursed, and he takes it and he puts it in a place to kind of protect it. And it's in our world where he hides it at. 
he hides it in a locker at one of the twin tower buildings. So that's kind of the, the reason, you know, given in the dark tower that that happened. Oh my God. <laughs> so Stephen King really there for a while, really wrote a lot of that into his books. I just mean, throwing it out there. Kind of <sighs> for lack of a better description, kind of cool, but Holy <laughs> shit. That was a real event. That shit happened. You know, yeah. a lot of fucking fear in that. So, yeah, and I mean, but the true knot would have had a lot to feed off of that day. I mean, would there was have? a lot of fear like, everywhere. I feel like they only that. Yes, but you would have had to have been part of the cunning to be able to feed them. You know, the shining. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, there was that many people in that building. There was probably a good yeah. indication that there was, you know, at so least were they a, just like sitting you know, there, like breathing in, and like they were getting cement. Tower dust as well as, you know. <laughs> well, were that they, was before they caught measles. So yes, it's fine. This, it wasn't measles. It was, was it mesophilia or something? <laughs> I, oh, I, I got to bring this up. I, I recently subscribed to this new TikTok uh, that talks about like dangerous toys. And it talks about how there was like this. Um, there was this like fake snow that they, that they used to have as a toy for like kids or something like that. You could play around with. And, and it was used in, in, in some movies too, but it was pure asbestos is what the, what the toy oh, was. Oh shit. So you had, you gave this kid like a box of this white fluff that they could use to simulate. They were like, you know, uh, in a winter wonderland and they were breathing in asbestos, like pure asbestos into their lungs. Yeah. So, so. that's, <laughs> So that's what I'm like, were they fucking breathing in asbestos, cement, like all kinds of dangerous chemicals? Probably, but they were stronger than they were fed well. So oh, they didn't have to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 uh, it's magic logic. You don't have to think about it too yeah, much. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Oh, and I forgot one thing. Uh, uh, another person who has a uh, has probably like a, a version of the shine is that character um, from the Green Mile. He probably is a character that you would consider having the shine because he had like psychic abilities that he oh, you yeah. know was able to help people with. Hmm. Okay. Stephen King um, and all his fucking tie-ins. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Dan, uh, ends up seeking help from Billy. Uh, he has to explain his, uh, shine ability and, and what they need to do. Uh, Billy doesn't fully believe him, but he agrees to help him because, you know, Dan's his friend and, you know, that's, and he does, and he senses that he does, his shine comes through in the sense that he, he knows Dan's really meaning that he needs to do something. So he yeah. goes along with him. Um, and it's kind of interesting, like, Aubra is projecting herself to Dan, like, while he's traveling to Iowa with Billy. Um, yes, that was, because <laughs> for a minute I thought she was in the car, but then I realized. I did too. He's yeah, relaying the message. Yeah, she was uh, doing, like, I, it was the same thing with the Dick Halloran. I thought she was there, and until I realized that it was just, like, her, you know, force projecting or whatever. Yes. Um and she gives him an example of how she gets in the, uh, got into Rose mind or whenever she like was rifling through her stuff and she fucks up and like, she gets inside of Dan's mind, which is not a good place to be at at all because that's when she sees like his version of the over his mental version of the overlook. And oh, then the yeah. ghost that he has in the boxes. And, um, that's whenever he, t and this sets up the ending, but he tells her, he's like, don't go in there. He's like, that's a dangerous place. Never go back into that place. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Crow Daddy, you know, I already talked about how he had Rose set out, said he had tricks of his own. Mm -hmm. 
Dan and a mirror uh, of this uh, sends Abra away, Manly, uh, before they start digging up the kids. He's, he tells her, it's like, you don't need to see this. Just go home. We'll take yeah. care of this. Uh, and that's when Billy, you know, uh, Billy says the line that uh, he, I, I hope that you were crazy uh, because psychic vampires and dead kids is way worse than <laughs> you being crazy, <laughs> which is true. Um he tells Dan about how he was a hunter and, and, you know, that kind of sets up later on and to really sell the scene of how just awful that, that must've been like both of them vomit whenever they like reach the kid's face, like yeah. just the smell of it and everything else. That was which the scene, the visual of the kid was as close to any picture you've seen. If you've seen a corpse before, it was very close too to the description that King gives in Pet Cemetery. Whenever um, the dad goes and, and digs up the the Gage Creed, the the little boy that was ran over by the truck or whatever, because yeah. that 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 story is very disturbing when you actually read it. But he goes like he talks about the moss that's like wetly clinging to his de- de- decomposing flesh mm-hmm. and everything. Like he really describes yeah. a dead kid, like you know, and and so like it, it was almost like a mirror of that, like seeing the two of these, like you know, these guys like dig up the the dead kid in this one i wonder if he um, saw it while he was staying at the stanley hotel <laughs> he probably saw was on, on cocaine yes he was on cocaine in the stanley hotel where he was very force sensitive <laughs> true um dan brings the glove back to abra uh which there's that scene where um her dad, you know, has to be shown like he's like, get the fuck away from my daughter. Who the yes. hell are you? And then like, and then she has, she's like, hold on, dad, let me show you. And like, she puts in his mind like everything that's been seen. And like, you know, the next thing you see is like him sitting there pouring a drink, <laughs> yeah. which, which is awful. He's got two alcoholics yes. with him there in that room. And he's like, you want a drink? And they're like, no, no. Yeah. Like we we're, do, we're we good. Don't, don't give it to us. <laughs> Wait, but he didn't know they were alcoholics. No, he didn't. That would that wouldn't his and he's he's not got the shine. So, or at least it's implied that he doesn't. So he he has no implication. He's just tore up about what he's saying. Um, and of course, Abra's got the glove now, so that's what she's going to use to like psychically go after uh, you know bury the chunk, which she does. And it shows the scene where she's in the van with them, um, you know, kind of watching them roll down the road. Which is funny because, like, going back to our discussion about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's almost like that scene from the first movie where they're all in the 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 art in the van with the weird, you know, with the Leatherface's like brother, who's the weird hippie guy who's sitting there like cutting on himself and like offering to take a picture of him or whatever, you yeah. know, for like cash. <clears throat> they all kind of got that vibe going on of like being just weirdos. Um, but Aubra does notice that Rose is not with them, which kind of sets up some stuff later. Yes. Um, she uses her powers to project herself to a campsite, you know, which oh, she's yeah. going to Luke Skywalker in the sequel of this one, you know, snake bite Andy walks over there like Kylo Ren, you know, yeah. like, watch this bitch. She ain't going to be nothing to me. And like, you know, pops her with a drug, but uh, what she's really, you know, like injected into was a teddy bear, which it's not, it's not really said in the movie and it's not shown, but I think Dan got that from Aubrey before he left her house because it had her psychic imprint on it where she had it as a kid and she was able to, you know, like focus on it and yeah. put herself there better because it was already connected to her. Mm, okay. I like that. Cause I was like, where did this come from? Um, I almost kind of wish that when she was sticking the knife and I'm using quotation marks here, air quotations with my fingers, um, when she, not knife, when she's sticking the needle in Abra's neck 
and it ended up being the stuffed animal, it would have been kind of cool if she had accidentally jabbed herself. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool if she had, uh, especially given what happens later, which pissed me off uh, oh, to no end. Yes. Um, so anyways, uh, right after that, Billy and Dan are in the woods, start shooting at them with their uh, hunting rifles. Yeah, um, so that they just fucking pulled out of nowhere. Which is kind of interesting because it, it, it's kind of a play on the scene at the beginning of the movie where all the true not appear out of the woods, uh, you know, oh, yeah. like as they're like focusing on Violet. It's like the opposite. They're they're getting hunted from the woods by, you ah, know, like somebody yeah. else. That's a nice little way of seeing that. Um, and then, you know, of course, Barry the Chunk dies first. Uh, and then uh, they, and the, the others chunk. start falling in quick succession. Um, and then Rose feels every death. Yes. Uh, that's another thing that they show. Because it's she's like there remember. in her own little weak way. She's probably force projecting through them, which is why she can feel everything. Right. And and it also hints that maybe she has a deeper connection to all of them. Maybe she turned some of them too. Like, you know, the ones she turned when she turned them, like she had like a deeper connection with them yeah. or something. I don't know. But um uh you so you see them do that. Um Andy actually gets shot in the ear, but she manages to run away. Uh, and then she catches Dan who, while he's investigating looking for, her, she catches him and then she uses his power to put him to sleep. But they do make a point to show that it takes multiple attempts to get Dan put down because his shine is so strong. Yeah. Um, and even though he is a man, like she, she, it's like she has to do it like three or four times before he actually goes to sleep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Abra helps wake him up. Like she's in his mind. She's like, you know, wake up uncle Dan, wake up. And you know, um, and eventually, and and and, it, and he does. He snaps awake, but whenever he does, he finds out that she has his rifle and she's pointing it directly at him, and she's getting ready to shoot him. The only thing that saves her is the fact that Billy shows up then, and he puts a bullet in Andy. But, and this is the part that pisses me off so bad. As she is cycling, she has the ability uh, to do her force push or her push ability one last time, and she mm -hmm. tells she's like, "Kill yourself," and, you know. Yep. And Spoiler alert! What happened? Yeah, poor poor Billy has to uh, take his own rifle before Dan can even get to him, and oh, you know, God, pop yeah. himself in the head. Moving in slow motion. Yeah, it's it's an awful scene. I mean, it's I know it has to, it gives gravity toward you know and some you know emphasis to why they have to finish off the true knot, but at the same time, it's just bad to see that character who's been pretty much a great guy up to that point and yeah. done nothing wrong to be the one that gets taken out. Yeah, especially like that. <clears throat> it's revealed at that point that Crow Daddy was not there, and when Abra looks up, he's actually standing in front of her. He has killed her father, who's another person who doesn't deserve yes. to die, but, uh, who, who's who's dead. And um, and then he does dose her, and like, and then you know, you know, disappears with her. Uh, Dan, right before the final act starts, uh, discover travels back and finds her body, and uh, he takes a. Uh, and he takes a bottle of whiskey with him, and and he and starting into the third act, he actually goes back to his apartment and contemplates like slipping back into it uh, because and, and he's trying to contract contact Abra because he doesn't have Billy there anymore. He's AA sponsor. He doesn't have anybody to talk to. He's really distraught over Billy being dead. Abra's gone. He can't talk to her, and it's it's you know it's fortunate that his his ability is so strong he's able to get through to her despite her being drugged and the fact that she shouldn't be able to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, right before he takes a drink of the whiskey. I mean, it's well, kind of like he's right use, on the edge. Yeah, she can't use her power 
but he's able to use her or not use hers, use his, but he's also been in contact with her before. So they don't right. need that slow GPS that what's her name has, <laughs> you know? Well, and he probably didn't need it anyways because he's strong, you know, yeah, like in, in, the, in his force. abilities. <laughs> strong with a force. Um, and it's, and he's also so strong that like, despite the crow daddy, like is being extremely arrogant because he's like, shut up kid. You can't do anything. You're, yeah. you're knocked out. I gave you enough to tranquilize like, you know, uh, 10 people with a shining and you know, whatever. But then like, she doesn't realize he doesn't realize that she's actually, and this is a weird use of the, the, the I was going to say the force again, the <laughs> shine. Um, he is actually, Dan is able to channel his abilities through Abra. Like she can't use any of hers at the moment, but yes. he uses his through her. Yes. He possesses her. The van. Yeah. Which is really cool. <laughs> actually. Yeah. And he's just like, buckle up. And she's yeah. like, what? And he's just like, buckle up. And then like, you know, like that uh, actually directs the van into a tree. And of course she points out to Crow Daddy right before he dies. She's like, you know, you're so arrogant that you've lived this long uh, that, that you don't even wear seatbelts anymore. And then he's like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, bam, like right yeah. in the tree. I love that scene. Just you know, like moved good. her hands and. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, and then she, she goes over to him as he's dying and, you know, she's, she tells him, she's like, I hope it hurts. I love that. that oh that yeah. Scene. And she delivers that line so well uh, to him at that moment. Uh, Rose is completely fed up. Uh, she's felt every member of her family died at this point. And she is determined that she's going to risk everything to make sure that that bitch Abra is, is fed upon regardless of, of whatever it takes to do it. Yeah. So she does, she super juices uh, herself. On the on every rest canister. of her reserves, that whore. <laughs> Yeah, like she has two or three canisters left, and she downs every single one of them, so that she's ready for the match that's getting ready to happen between her and Abra. Because uh, she still doesn't realize Dan's in the equation yet. His oh, shine yes. is kind of hid from her at this point. Which pretty, I mean, we did discuss how he's possibly hid it, but man, he did hide it really well. Yeah, and and for and and she even has that line which we'll get to in a minute. But she's like, "Where have you been at, handsome? Yeah. You know, all these years." Um, so Dan has an idea of how he's going to, how they're going to get rid of Rose. And it's, it's beautiful. Like they're going to go back to the overlook and the ghosts that he's bound up for years are going to do his dirty work for him. Dirty deeds and... done dirt cheap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, and he, and, and they drive back to the Overlook. And actually, the only scene in the movie that is directly taken from Kubrick's film is in this one scene where they take the, the original opening where they show kind of like that, that little island in the middle of the water. And, uh, and, and they switch it to nighttime and put like some snowflakes on it, you know, or yeah. put some snow in it to kind of symbolize it's a night and it's, you know, snowing. But it's the exact same scene from the Kubrick film that they've just, you know, redone. Yeah. But, um, and he, um, <clears throat> they, dr they drive up to the um the hotel and uh he goes about waking up the overlook he tells her to go on in and he, he goes about waking it up and he and he starts out by turning on the boiler which brings in you know and in the ending to the original novel which is good and and the ending to this it kind of hints at what's going to happen and he goes along you know and he and he activates electricity which he stands in the same spot you know with electricity where wendy was at whenever the the porno mags were like on the wall yeah. beside of her and she didn't realize it 
which is kind of interesting. And then he just kind of goes through the house or the, the hotel, like to all the classic scenes of the shining and like, you know, relive it. And I guess mentally, you know, reactivates them by reliving his trauma basically through each scene. Yeah. Especially the scene where Jack, like, you know, he looks through the, the infamous, infamous door frame where it's been busted out. Like, just like his dad did, oh, yeah. like, you know, and it shows like, you know, the, the, the new actress, um, recreating the scene with Wendy screaming as uh, Jack's like bursting in. And I thought that was the, I thought that was the, uh, original Shelly Duvall. No, it's, it's the, holy it's shit. The, the they did good. Yeah, she does a good job. I liked how, as he was walking around the hotel, you could tell was feeding off of his energy. Like the lights, yeah, the were, lights just were flickering and coming going on. brighter. And everything, everywhere yeah. he went. And I was like, oh, man, this uh, hotel likes him. And we'll get into a little bit, you know, not really get into it, but as we'll talk into, eventually, Abra ends up in the hotel. They really, the, the hotel really liked her. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, man. You it was take like, somebody who's stronger than Danny, and it's like, oh, yeah, now we got something to feed on. Yeah. But uh, going back, okay, so he's walking around the hotel. And, yes, you're right. He's kind of reliving the scenes. This is a part of the movie it's not that I didn't like it. I thought, okay, it's cool. It was a nice little tie back, but they almost did it just a little too much. Like it was like, Oh, too, you oh, knew what to expect basically. Yeah. A little too, too much of a wink to the audience and everybody who came before and everything. There's a major difference from the book at this point too. In the book, Jack Torrance actually redeems himself at the end of the original shining he goes to the boiler room that he has left, uh, you know, full full bore because he's been too too crazy to go actually go down there and address it. And, uh, you know, somebody, and I can't remember who it is, it might have been Dick Halloran or Danny himself. Uh, well, actually, I think it was Dick. It's like somebody mentioned to him, it's like, you know what you forgot? You forgot the boiler. Uh, and I, I actually, I think Danny says that because Tony tells him. And, and when Jack runs to the basement, the ghosts try to work through him because at that point they can actually, they're, they're manifested enough to where they can actually maneuver things. Yes. They actually try to stop it themselves. And he, you know, even though it burns his hands because it's so hot, he actually turns it back full bore again and, uh, you know, uses, and, and I think he taps into his shine just enough to push them away from it and uh, long enough for his, and he, and, you know, he tell and, and basically he sends out the message to his son mentally, I love you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'll, and I love your mom. And then the whole place blows up. So in the book, when they come back to the overlook or in, in the book of Dr. Sleep, when they come back to the overlook, the whole place is desolated. There's, there's a campsite that's on the spot where it what was at. Yeah. And, um, and in the book, the reason I bring all this up is because of what they did with Jack here in a second, what I'm going to bring up in the book, Jack also further redeems himself because he comes back as a ghost to Abra. And in the moment where Rose and her are having a tussle right at the edge of this cliff where Rose is about to, you know, like it could go either way. And, and Abra could be the one that's thrown off the side. Jack distracts Rose long enough to where Abra can, you know, push her over the edge and finally finish her off. So Jack yeah. actually helps Abra, you know, uh, get rid of Rose in the book, but mm. not so much in the in the movie because Jack is a complete ass. Even, oh yes, un, even in death, because um, you have this scene where Dan meets Lloyd, the bartender, which and is of basically it's, Jack. It's Jack, and it's heartbreaking because like he he keeps telling his dad he's like we're fine, you know, we're, me and mom we moved to Florida, mm -hmm. she's fine now, and he's like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't have a wife and a kid. And that breaks his heart. And he's yes. like, go ahead and drink, go ahead and drink, you yeah. know, and like, you know, and all that. And then whenever he's like, you know, 
he, he's trying to get some kind of catharsis. He's trying to get his dad to say, I love you or something that affects so he can, you know, like the hurt that's it. You can, you and McGregor sells it perfectly. Like yes. the hurt in his face, like, and Jack just looks at him and he's like, listen, kids and, and wives are only good for one thing. And that's to eat up a man's time. And you, and, and if I did have a wife and a kid, that's what they did to me. And basically it's heartbreaking yeah. to watch. Like he's literally just telling his son, you were just a burden to me. Yeah. You're, and, <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. And fuck off basically. And, um, thankfully Abra and uh, well, and Rose, uh, right before Dan let, you know, gets that, you know, lets that sink in enough to where he might actually try the, the Jack Daniels, which he mentions was his dad's favorite before he can actually take that sip first step and get back into things. His dad did Abra, you know, hits him mentally with like, Dan, she's here. And that, you know, that spurs him away from it. So he doesn't, but he's, he's on the verge. Like he's very close to taking that drink. Like, you can tell. Oh yeah. Um, I almost wanted him to because I want to be like, what happens when they take that drink? <laughs> he would end up like Jack, which True, he yeah. does anyways. Oh but, yeah, you know. I mean, maybe he took a drink and we didn't see it. Like cutscene, you know. <laughs> um, it's funny when Rose shows up. She she sees the elevator scene. You know, the blood uh, yes. Out of it. And she just kind of looks at it with her head cocked, like, like that's uh-huh. interesting. I like that. <laughs> nice visuals. Um, which, speaking of that, they did that uh, CGI. That was all CGI they did because they weren't going to do like Kubrick and do like nine days of like, you know, filling up a whole elevator full of like, you know, rusty water, as yeah. he said it was. And so <laughs> that was a, that want, was a recreation I wonder why they didn't just, why didn't they just use the original scene? I mean, I'm sure there's, reasons but i mean why not uh, this is clearly a sequel to the film yeah uh, they could have i don't know uh, they just i guess they wanted to play just enough differently to where it wasn't i don't know you know kind of like how kubrick like changed the little things in the background maybe they wanted to do the same thing i, I don't know which speaking of that they did have to, they couldn't get that carpet color I, I mentioned earlier that they recreated that carpet they couldn't get it exactly the same as, as what it needed to be for the you know to, to match the original movie so they did have to like you know color grade it. they had to change the color and like post to I get it closer to what figured, it was and it still didn't look the same <laughs> Um, speaking of that though, before we move on, what did you think about, uh, uh, the portrayal of Jack in this? Like, cause a lot of people had issues. It's like either do the impression of Jack Nicholson or deep fake him or, or don't like, or don't have him in it. Like, what did you feel about like the pseudo half step they did where it was like, they, it, it, he kind of looked like he was, you know, Jack Nicholson, but he, but he wasn't, but, and he didn't do the voice. So I, How did you feel about all that? I liked it. Um, I wasn't bothered by it. I was impressed. I know he was trying not to be. It's not that he was trying not to be Jack Nicholson. It's just that he wasn't Jack Nicholson. And it played out well because he was pretending not to be Jack in The Shining. He was pretending to be Lloyd the bartender. That's true. So that's, that's a to good point. me, it played out well. The makeup effects... And considering the actor who played it, I was like, there is no way this is who it's saying is playing this character of Jack. Holy shit. It's not perfect by any means. I just think that they did a very good job. 
I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. I, when you accept the fact that they wouldn't, if they wanted somebody to do an impression, they probably should have got like an older Christian Slater or, you know, to, to do that. Cause, or, uh, cause he, that's all that guy did when in the early or in the eighties, like with Heathers and all that, he was basically doing a Jack Nicholson impersonation yeah. if they wanted to go that route. But I think it's better that they just avoided it. And like you said, he's Lloyd, the bartender. He wasn't yes. Jack, you know, but and we, he really, and he Jack. kept saying, yeah, we knew he, he, <laughs> They did a good job making him look like Jack. And they stuck to one angle only. They did a good right. job of only sticking at one angle, which was the best angle to make him look like Jack. And not get too much of his, it, it got his profile, but primarily his profile and then the basic look of him. So yeah, it, it was enough to sell it. It was and, enough to sell it, yes. And like I said, it was it was enough to sell the heartbreak of the scene where he's yes. basically, you know, telling his son, it's like, I didn't care about you. Fuck you. You know, well, yeah. it's like, and okay. It also didn't come off like, oh, look at this is Jack. If we bought him off a wish, it didn't feel like that at all. <laughs> they, as we say in the makeup world, when you when you're switching from an expensive product to a cheap product, what is a good dupe? And this guy was a good dupe of Jack. So there we go. I feel like the girl who played Wendy was better, but he, you know, like a better match, but she also had more screen time. They had to do like different angles. So yes. her having to play into the mannerisms, you know, like that, that made more sense. And, yes. and the way they filmed this, like you said, they didn't have to because they, they, they stuck to what works yes. I mean, with the scene. And yeah. So in general, just overall, good job. Um. But anyways, like Rose walks in, sees the blood, um, and then her and Abra or Abra and Dan uh, put her in the hedge maze um, mentally. She she thinks she's in Abra's head, which I have to bring up until mm -hmm. she realizes that they're not in there, and it's and that's whenever she realizes that Dan has the shine, and that's where yeah. she has that line like, "Where have you been all these years, handsome?" I also and, like and how she said, "Oh my God, you're not, you're not." She said, "You're the bait," but there was something else she said. She's like, "You're not the." the something you're the bait um yeah when she when she finally got her hands on opera right and and the funny thing and it's also there's two things about this first of all she's stalking opera through the hedge maze like jack did to danny in the original shining so there's that parallel there but the other thing that i think is interesting about this scene is that or right after this scene is that whenever she starts walking when uh, Danny tells her to go Aubrey to run away kind of like Wendy would have told Dan to do whenever he was younger uh Aubrey, or I mean uh, Rose is walking up the steps and Dan is walking back stepping up the you know the steps backing up exactly in parallel to what Wendy and Jack did right before you know uh, Wendy hit him with the well, it was a croquet mallet and the book and then the bat and the, the movie or whatever. If you understand what I'm saying, there was yeah. a parallel where Jack was stalking her up the steps. Yes. Like they that scene. Oh, my God. And that was so. There there was things I didn't like about how they're like, whoa, wait a second. Come on. You're just fucking copying, you know, The Shining at this point. But that was one that I liked because it looked natural. It didn't look like they were trying too hard. And, um, and of course, you know, things don't work out too well for Dan because like she's super jacked on all that steam that she's <laughs> like inhaled and he attacks her and he hits her with the ax, uh, in the shoulder. But then she turns around, grabs it from him and basically slices his femoral artery and then throws him back down the steps. Oh yeah. It's fucking t sent him for a loop, which shows that she had more than just mental power. I mean, she's, 
she's pretty damn strong to be able to like fling him, you know, like hundred, I mean, 200 pound guy or give or take 180, 200 pounds, like, you know, with an ax head, you know, on the steps. Yeah. Um, and she has that line about how she talks about how the, the shine gets polluted as you age. And she says that Dan is covered in grease, um, oh, which, you know, yeah. was, uh, talking about how he diluted his through alcohol and whatever else he was into. And, um, she actually offers to turn him and she, you know, she plays into that whole thing. She's like, you can drink, you know, if you, if nah. you want to go back to the bottle, you know, as a true, I mean, as you know, one of us, you, you know, you'll never have to worry about addiction because it's not a thing. Um, but, um, and it's, and it's interesting as she's feeding upon him too, that she, um, she starts talking about how he, uh, he, he tastes like whiskey, like oh, his steam tastes yes. like whiskey. She says it burns, She's but it's a good kind of burn. Having a, a, an orgasmic experience again, like fucking, she's dousing herself in herbal essences of his fucking steam. <laughs> um, but she does give Dan the confirmation that he didn't really want to hear that. Like he thinks that she's, a, he says something about that she's the last of them before she starts feeding on him. And she's like, oh, honey, I'm not the last. She's like, there's more of, more of us out here, you know, or other things that, you know, uh, feed that feed upon people to shine. So he's kind of, you know, that his, his uh, protection of Abra is, even though he's, he sacrificed himself at this point to save her. Cause he's pretty much dying. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, she's still going to have to defend herself going forward because there's more stuff out there. Um, <clears throat> I really hate how, I mean, she also does the same thing to him that she's the kid, like she keeps poking at the one oh, that she yeah. made to kind of get him to have be in more pain. Um, but he does the best thing. My favorite thing in this movie and actually in the, in the book too, like he, he's just like, all right. He's like, she, she starts like messing around. She's like, so I want to see those, uh, things again that you had in your head. He's like, Oh, you want to see those? Okay. Here you go. And then all of a sudden all the ghosts appear around her. And it's just like this awful, like, you know, scene from like a zombie film. They just uh, converge on her and just like, instantly she starts cycling because they start feeding off of her oh, yeah. like you know steam quick and they feed off of her like she did to everything else which i think is kind of a neat twist like the ghosts were feeding off her steam you know just the same exact way kind of in a, like this orgy type situation yeah that's um, true well they, and then they immediately turn <laughs> like they turn yeah. on him <laughs> like it's like yeah, okay we're done Dan's like okay yeah, Dan's like, well, now that's done. And they look around, they're like, no, it's nah, not done. bitch. <laughs> Remember all and, those years you kept us in the closet? <laughs> yeah. But they don't kill him. They 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 got a better use for him. They, oh, he's yeah. the new Jack Torrance to oh, him. So, I mean, you know, look at he is a powerful being in not only as uh, spiritually, but as a meat suit. Um, spirits like that feed off of energy. And these three spirit balls in that fucking hotel have nothing but energy they are going to be set for a long fucking time (laughs) so it makes in terms of lore it makes complete sense why they're like okay we're gonna get someone that this girl trusts you know well they they also don't know what they're dealing with so I think it's funny though, whenever Dan actually does uh, find uh, Abra, you know, and he's pulling the Jack Torrance, you know, thing or whatever, yes. which it's interesting. Only one of his eyes is yes. like, you know, kind of a cataract. So he's still got a little bit of his own there. I guess that's a symbol that Dan's still Partially in there, there you yeah. know. But uh, it's funny because uh, Abra's in room 237. I don't know if she's drawn there just like Dan was because it's like, you know, she sent something from Dan yeah. that 237 was a bad place. 
but Miss Massey appears to her just like she did the Dan, and like just I mean she just totally shuts her down. Oh like, yeah, quick. she's like she fucking try she's it. She's like, what the fuck are you gonna do? Try it. You I know? wish like... a bitch would is what she <laughs> said. Um, and, and that was and, it. That was like she was like, oh okay, well not today then. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, okay, you got me. And then, uh, but, you know, our, our buddy will take care of you. And then uh, Abra pulling exactly what Dan did in the original novel and in the miniseries, you know, when Dan's there, she's like, well, you forgot something that Dan that Dan didn't. And she's like the boiler room. And that's whenever the ghosts are like, you know, they, they leave him real quick because they're like fucking, you know, you know, horrified that the place is going to blow up yes and uh, he comes back long enough to tell her to get get out of there that you know he can't you know that he needs to go make sure that that this finally ends and he does what jack should have done all those years ago and he actually destroys the hotel yes um how did you feel about that scene where he's reunited with Wendy? Uh, and I, th- I think it's telling in that scene that Jack has no is not there. It, it's Wendy that he sees whenever he's on the verge of death. Yeah, because, I mean, it takes away completely what we talked about in The Shining. That Actually, maybe it doesn't. Because Wendy, just because Wendy was crazy, according to what we discussed in The Shining, <laughs> doesn't mean that she wasn't a good person and he didn't know who she was and love her still. And, right. you know, um, I mean, it, it still takes away from everything. So, you know, that 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 is who took care of him. I mean, he even said it in the bar. Mom and I were okay. You know, we went away. We went to Florida. And she she took care of him. After they had been through a traumatic experience together, no matter which way you look at it. And they got out of it. And te- technically, they were survivors together. So, you know, they, they met again in the afterlife. It's kind of uh, sad in the book. He, he realizes that she's going to die and, and he's, and he's barely out of high school when it happens. I believe mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's got cancer. Oh, okay. And, um, and he sees like these death flies over her oh, face. And that, yes. that's, one of the, that's one of his abilities he has later on. He can tell when people are dying because like he can, he sees that. I wish and, they had shown that in and, the film. Cause he did say it in the movie. He did say oh, her whole face. I could barely see her eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have been nice if they would have shown that. But it, it's kind of it's kind of bad that he, you know, has to go through all that trauma with his dad. And then, like, you know, his mom, you know, goes live with her. And then she dies not that many years later of something as horrible as that. And he has to watch it kind of play out. Yeah. I mean, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense now that you think about it. Just because the cat had the meowing, he, like, didn't see. The cat could see the old guy was dying, but he couldn't see the old guy was dying. Well, his his shine was uh, still it was dull. Way okay. Back, so. yeah. okay, he was a dull boy. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Abra watches the hotel burn, and then later it shows her talking to this force ghost, um, like Dick Halloran, you know, was. Um, Dan reveals to her that uh, Rose wasn't the last creature uh, to feed upon the shine, but the world needs a person to stand, which is another reference to another Stephen King book, The Stand. The Stand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, there's a character in The Stand who's probably got the shine as well, uh, Mother Abigail Freeman, who's like the leader of the good people in the book, The and and she and she has like the ability to like mentally communicate with people and, and see things, and that's, and she's the one that tells them that they need to stand, you know, that they, there has to be somebody that stands up against the evil, basically, of yeah. Randall Flagg and that, and so Abra's kind of getting the same speech from Danny in this. Um. 
Abra tells her mom that she's seen Dan and that her father is good and at a at, and at peace. I think that's a good little you know thing they added on that you know her mom needed that and and Abra could sense that her mom needed that because she yes. was tore up about the fact that her dad was dead and that means a lot too that the kid is the one reassuring the parent. I mean because she had to deal with it herself, you know. Um, and then the movie ends with Abra walking in like Dan did and locking up Miss Massey again. So the bitch is back in the in the box. <laughs> I'm like okay. I know Avra knows that she's powerful, but goddamn, just like that. Once she got into that bathroom, Miss Massey was but maybe two feet from her. Oh no! Don't. Why do you yeah. have to close the door? Just fucking put her in the box. Do it from the hallway. Yeah, you could have done it from the room. It's just like, boop, you yeah, know, like right there. Like Lock that on shit it. up. She's fucking gone. no. What? Why are we doing this? That was a cool scene. Um, they did a good job with Miss Massey. They did. Yeah, she, she looked really creepy. She looked creepy. She looked just like she did in the original film, if not a little bit creepier, maybe a little bit more cleaned up. You know, she's been in that bath for a long time, so you know, um, <laughs> she was looking fly as fuck as a corpse. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good ending scene. Now I was like, I mean, scaredy me was like, why the fuck are you going in there? But then I realized, oh, she's fucking finishing business or re refinishing business, as it were. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, one little thing that's different that I've not mentioned from the book to the movie is that the way that they get rid of the final true knot instead of killing them with the, the hunting rifles like they did in the book um, or, or in the movie, they they were all dying of the measles anyways. But what they actually did in the in the in the book version was that they took. Uh, Mama Conchetta's, or you know, where Aubrey's grandmother's cancer, mm -hmm. they took her, sh or Dan took her shine into him. And, and I don't know why he didn't become a true knot, but that's, you know, whatever, maybe, you know, magic. Mm -hmm. But he took her shine into him that was loaded up with all that cancer and the true knot that was already on the verge of death, anyways. He let them have that shine and the cancer finished them off, is how oh, they, they all, but all but Rose. Okay. So. I mean, I kind of liked how the movie did it a little bit better, but you know, yeah. whatever it's, you know, it's it, one of those that's, rare that's circumstances where you would say the movie is better than the book. It's so rare that that happens, you know, it is in certain ways. Like some of the details they give in the book or, I mean, like, especially, I mean, cause the book has a totally different feeling to it. It's a lot more, uh, lighthearted and a lot more, uh, happy, uh, ending because Dan doesn't die at the end of the book him uh, he actually goes on to uh become you know uh, an actual uncle to abra at the, at the end of it and he starts a new life you know with his half sister they didn't know like they you know they're yeah. a family now he's got his own family um which is a lot better ending you know for feel good ending versus what we get you know in the, the movie where dan is told by his father that he's never cared oh, about yeah. him and then and then he ends up getting killed and now he's the you know the dick halloran to you know to Abra. I mean, it, yeah, it, but it's kind of cool, you know. It, it it is in its own way. And I, mean, I mean, it's like, not. I mean, it's it's Obi Wan, like you know. <laughs> if he's um, anything like Luke Skywalker, there he his force projection, his ghost projection is gonna be fucking legit. He's gonna make shit happen. <laughs> Pretty sure we um, shouldn't even say peace be with you at the end of this. It should be may the force be with you. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to have to do for this one. Um, so as far as your rating, what would you give this one? Okay. 
So, as I previously stated, full disclosure, did not want to watch this fucking film. I don't know what. I think I thought I was going to get exactly what kind of agitated me in this film, which was too much of The Shining, the original Shining, because we did get a portion of that, and it got to the point real fast for me. I had very little tolerance for, okay, I get we're trying to relate the two films together. I don't really feel like we needed too much of what they gave us from The Shining. They could have just I think been- that was one of the biggest critiques of the movie when it first came out, and even to this day, a lot of people said that it relied too heavily, especially on the third act, you mm-hmm, know, the third act. of the previous movie. Yeah, and it didn't need that. It was a good film. It standalone, it was a good film. The fact that it was, yeah. was related and it had Danny and his small portion, Dick was fine in the film, you know. Um, so I, that being said, I fucking thoroughly enjoyed this film from beginning to end, it gripped me the entire time. Uh, so fucking rare for that to happen. And um, I I can't quite give this a five because, you know, of what I mentioned of relying too much on The Shining. But I do want to, I can't just give it a four. It's going to be a four and a half for me. Four and a half out of five corpses. <laughs> I, I thought about that, but I, I'm going to give it a four just because I, I'm, I'm kind of in the boat where it's, there's some things that I wish that they would have been able to bring more from the novel. And I know I shouldn't use that against the movie and I'm not really, I, I agree with some of the movie stuff, you know, that, that it linked too much to the, the original and, and some of that stuff knocked it down a peg, not, not a whole lot, but just yeah. a little for me. Um, so mine is going to be a four out of five, the visuals in it, the acting, the story, they were all done uh, well. Uh, it's very cohesive. They like, they set things up. One of my gripes, like I've already mentioned, is they maybe set things up a little too shortly before the payoff, but they, they did set them up, so it's still there. And um, I don't have a complaint at all about the the recreations of the previous characters because they I thought they did a good job by not, you know, trying to, to go the deep fake route, basically. Correct, yeah. With, I, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, and um, and I think the actors who did their parts in those roles uh, did a did a good job. And I mean, you McGregor and, and the, the actress who played Abra, I mean, uh, she, I mean, they both did amazing jobs, you know, with the, the characters they had. So yeah, I they were no quite complaints. the dream team. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's really rare. I mean, we, we got to bring that up again. It's really rare to get a good child actor. I mean, oh, and they, yeah. but they, they did, they, they really did with this, with this actress. So especially one with like little to know, I mean, I don't know what her background was in acting, but we didn't see her in very many films, especially prior to this. Um, you know, unless they just pulled out some kind of acting school, where the fuck did they find her? She <laughs> know, but they... did really well. Yeah, they, they just got extremely shit. lucky. She made it feel real when we know good goddamn well it's not. <laughs> <laughs> if you can uh, suspend your disbelief, that's all, that's all you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Oh, my God. We're going to get in trouble. Oh, yeah. Disney will be suing us over that one. (laughs) Fuck.